in Psalm 65, David says, calls God, oh, you who hear prayer, to you all men come. And so I just want to give thanks to the Lord and thank you for praying for me uh, last couple weeks. As you might know, I had a little scare. Uh, the police came and rang our doorbell at 11 o'clock at night, said you need to go to the hospital. Um, we saw some test results that were concerning. And uh, so it looked, I mean, I had another blood clot in my lung, and they found that and um, recovering from that. And uh, just thank you for praying. Um, and as maybe you've experienced yourself, uh, when you're in a time like that, you really do sense uh, God's people praying for you. And so I, I did sense that God is upholding us and uh, giving us strength. I'm glad to be back um, again this morning instead of missing last week. So um, thank you for that. Um, let's pray. Oh, Father, it's so good to sing these songs about Jesus coming to be our Savior. We were lost and undone and needed to be rescued. And in your great love and mercy, you provided what we needed. Lord, thank you that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Thank you that he came to save sinners. Even his very name, Jesus, means he shall save his people from their sins. And so we thank you that you have given us what we needed so desperately. I pray for anyone who is here today who has never trusted in Jesus as their Savior and that they would see their need for him as a sinner and flee to him as the only one who can save. And Lord, as we look at a passage that helps us understand this salvation you have provided for us, uh, I pray that you just deepen our understanding, deepen our appreciation for what you have done for us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may remember the all-important question we saw last winter in the book of Job. How can a man be in the right before God? And if you remember the opening chapters of Romans, you know the question is even more complicated. In light of our fallen condition, the question is now, how can a guilty, corrupt, unrighteous person like me ever hope to be accepted by a holy God? Can you think of a more important question to get settled than that? Especially in light of the verse we saw in Sunday school this morning in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So what would we say if God were to ask us, why should I let you into my heaven? Have you ever thought about that? If you haven't yet, you will. You'll need to know. Well, our text for today announces how God has provided a complete remedy in Christ for our complete ruin in sin. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Romans chapter 3 as we continue our study in this New Testament letter. After almost three chapters of sobering bad news, we see incredibly good news in verses 21 through 24. So Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So we saw the phrase, the righteousness of God, back in chapter 1, verse 17. It reminds us that God is perfectly righteous and always does what is absolutely right. And not only that, God requires nothing less than perfect righteousness from us in order to be approved and accepted by him. But as we saw three weeks ago, verse 10 of chapter 3 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. None of us is perfectly acceptable before God. Or look at the other statement of our universal condition in 323. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word sin is the idea of falling short or missing a standard or um, missing the mark. And so it says we all fall short of God's righteous standards. We all fall short of giving him the honor that's due him as God. We've exchanged his glory for worthless substitutes, as we saw in 123. But the good news is that the righteous God, who requires a perfect righteousness that we do not have and cannot produce, has provided a perfect righteousness for us through faith in Christ. And a word that summarizes that big sentence is the word justification. So this morning I want to look at how God justifies people like us who are the opposite of righteous. We use the word justify from time to time in our ordinary conversation. For example, the boss might ask, how do you justify taking the afternoon off yesterday? And the idea is, how do you make a case for the rightness of your action. You need to convince me that what you did was right. So if you took the afternoon off from work just because you wanted to go fishing, you would not be justified in the eyes of your boss. You did not do what is right in his judgment. But if you had to take one of your kids to the emergency room, your boss would see it as the right thing to do. You would be justified before him. The word Paul uses in verse 24 is borrowed from the language of the courtroom. It is a verdict that a judge makes about a defendant. It means to declare righteous, to pronounce a verdict of not guilty. It is the opposite of condemnation. When a judge renders a verdict of guilty, he does not make the accused person a lawbreaker. He is making a judicial statement about the person standing before the law. He is announcing a legal status. And the same is true of justification. When God justifies someone, he is declaring the person to be right in his sight and in good standing with his law. It is a change in the way God sees and treats the person. Before justification, we are guilty before his law, unrighteous in his sight, and unacceptable to be in his presence. But when we are justified, we are acquitted of all guilt, freed from all condemnation, declared to be righteous in his sight, and welcomed to be in his heaven forever. And so we could say being justified means being fully acquitted and fully accepted. We are fully acquitted of all our unrighteousness, 
because of Christ's perfect sacrifice. And we are fully accepted as righteous in God's sight because of Christ's perfect righteousness being credited to us. And so at the end of the service, we'll sing, I want to be found in him dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Christ is our righteousness, not our own. So God treated Jesus as if he had lived my unrighteous life. And he now treats me as if I had lived Jesus' perfect life. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this. Next book over from Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Christ became to us our righteousness. So how does justification take place? Paul will continue to explain how God justifies people like us as we continue through the letter. But this morning I want to look at three phrases in verse 24. First, we are justified as a gift. Look at verse 24. Being justified as a gift. Or you might have the word freely. And the same Greek word is used in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, 17 where it says, Let him who desires... Take the water of life without price or without cost. In other words, being justified is completely free. We can't pay for it. There is nothing we can offer for it. So we got a thing in the mail a long time ago from AAA. And it says, AAA has a free gift for you. Free, all capitals. And pictures of Presents wrapped with bows and wrapping paper, kind of like Christmas under the tree. And then down at the bottom, with one string attached. Give us the names of five friends you think would be interested in joining AAA. For each one that does join, we'll send you a free gift from those listed below. So is that really a free gift? And the answer is no. You not only have to give them five names of your friends... But you only get the so-called gift if someone actually signs up. So you're basically paying for this compass or this road atlas or whatever you want to get as a gift by doing something for AAA. It's an exchange. It's not a gift. But that is not how God offers justification to us. There's no payment of any kind. We don't help pay for it by anything that we contribute so in Romans 5, 17, look at verse 17 of chapter 5. For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. It's a gift of righteousness. It's not an, a reward of righteousness like you did this, this, and this, and now you are counted righteous. It's a gift you are given freely. Or Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is this, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Second, we are justified by his grace. 
Paul uses the word grace 95 times in his letters. It is God's undeserved, unexpected kindness shown to those who have no claim on such kindness. And in light of the first three chapters of Romans, it's not just that we don't deserve his kindness. It's that we do deserve his condemnation and hell. J.I. Packer defines grace like this. The grace of God is love freely shown toward guilty sinners, contrary to their merit, and indeed in defiance of their demerit. It is God showing goodness to persons who deserve only severity and had no reason to expect anything but severity. Or as Jer Jerry Bridges puts it, grace is God's kindness shown to those who deserve his wrath. So here's a very small illustration of grace. I'll read from a news article. An Alabama officer caught a grandmother stealing eggs, but instead of arresting her, he surprised her with an amazing act of kindness. William Stacy explained how he stopped her grandmother in a parking lot who admitted she had stolen the eggs. I told her to go on, park in the parking lot. I bought her a carton of eggs and brought it back out to her. So if Officer Stacy had arrested her and put her in jail, that would have been justice. She broke the law. She deserves to be punished for it, plain and simple. If he had just let her go, we could call that mercy. She was spared the consequences she deserved for doing wrong. But he treated her the opposite of what she deserved. And the story would have been even better illustration of grace if he had given her $10,000 worth of groceries, not just a thing of eggs. That would be a small example of grace. We deserve hell. We get heaven. We deserve to be under God's wrath. We get fullness of joy in his presence. So this complete opposite treatment of what we deserve. That's grace. So being justified as a gift means there's nothing we can offer to pay for it. Being justified by his grace means there's nothing we can do to earn it or work for it. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Hope you have these verses memorized. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves or not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not of works so that no one may boast. So you're not doing this on your own. You're not accomplishing this, achieving it, earning it. It's a gift of grace. Or Titus 3, 5 through 7. Titus 3, 5 through 7. Let's start at 4. Here's Christmas, when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared. That's Christmas. He saved us. How? Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified by his grace, not by our deeds of righteousness. And third, we are justified through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. Redeem is a word we've heard before. For example, we redeem coupons or gift cards, or we take recycling to a redemption center, 
or if a kicker misses a field goal early in the game and then he wins the game by winning a, uh, getting a kick, uh, the announcer might say he redeemed himself. Uh, in the Bible, redeem means to release or set free by payment of a price. And so just this week, maybe you read about the hostages being released by Hamas. Not all of them yet, but many women and children were released. Their release was not obtained by paying a ransom of money, which is usually how kidnapped victims are set free. In this case, it, those who were captive were released in exchange for some prisoners. But the idea is still the same. They were redeemed because Israel paid a price to secure their freedom. Well, we needed to be released from the debt, power, and condemnation of sin. But what price could possibly be paid to set us free? Well, go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So, Silver or gold money couldn't purchase our redemption. Nothing we could do or offer could purchase our redemption. Nothing less than the blood of Christ shed for us on the cross could set us free from the condemnation and debt and power of sin. Whereas Ephesians 1.17 says that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins through his blood. So how... Can we be justified? How can we be fully acquitted and fully accepted by a perfectly righteous God? Let's remind ourselves of how it doesn't happen. Uh, turn back to Romans 3, verse 20. Romans 3, verse 20. Because by the works of the law, our efforts of keeping, trying to keep the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So the, the law is only an x-ray that shows you you have a sin problem, but it doesn't correct the sin problem. We need a savior to take care of the sin problem. But look at verse 22 and then verse 26 of Romans 3. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 26 for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so he will be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Or Galatians 2.16. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Paul's going to say it both ways. He's going to go back and forth between, it's not this, it's this. It's not this, it's this. Verse 16, nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, 
no flesh will be justified. So did you get the theme? You cannot do this on your own. You can't help do it. It's a gift received by faith alone in Christ alone. And if God is showing you that you are not right in his sight, that you're not ready to stand before him as the righteous judge, first of all, acknowledge, I am guilty. I have sinned and I fall short of the glory of God. I have not always done what is right and I have done plenty that is wrong. So I'm guilty before this God that I must give an account to. And so second, I turn from being content to live in rebellion against God and I renounce any reliance on myself to be good enough to be accepted by God. And we keep going back to Philippians 3.9, but it's so important in this whole idea of being justified or being right in God's sight. In 3.9, he says, I want to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. It's the only way. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so I trust completely and only in Jesus Christ. I believe his death on the cross was the only way I could be redeemed. And I believe that he rose from the dead to show he had accomplished his mission of rescuing and restoring sinners like me. Well, for those who are trusting in Christ alone this morning, this text is a reminder to give thanks that Jesus came that first Christmas, that he lived a perfect life as our representative, that he redeemed us with his blood as our substitute so that we could be justified before God. Here's John Bunyan's testimony in his book, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. John Bunyan, of course, wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He also wrote an autobiography called Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. So he's writing about how he came to discover these things. There came flocking into my mind an innumerable company of my sins and transgressions. My soul was clogged with guilt. Now my soul greatly was pinched between these two considerations. Live I must not, die I dare not. Now I sunk and fell in my spirit and was giving up all for lost. But as, as I was walking in the house as a man in a most woeful state, that word of God took hold of my heart. Ye are justified freely by his grace, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.24. Oh, what a turn it made upon me. Now was I as one awakened out of some troublesome dream and listening to this heavenly sentence, it was as if I had heard it thus expounded to me. Sinner, thou thinkest that because of thy sins and infirmities, I cannot save thy soul. But behold, my son is by me, and upon him I look, and not on thee. And I will deal with thee according as I am pleased with him. At this I was greatly lightened in my mind and made to understand that God could justify a sinner at any time. It was but his looking upon Christ and imputing of his benefits to us. 
and the work was forthwith done. And then he continues in another place and says, I also saw moreover that it was not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now did my chains fall off my legs. Indeed, I was loosed from my afflictions and irons. Now I went home rejoicing for the grace and love of God. And we can go home rejoicing this morning, knowing the grace and love of God that has accomplished our justification for us through the redemption in Christ. So let's pray. So Lord, thank you that you have sent Christ to redeem sinners like us. Thank you that you have opened the eyes of many in this room or listening at home to see that Jesus is the only way to be right in your sight. I pray for anyone who's here or listening that's trusting in anything else or anyone else, including themselves, to be accepted by you, that they would renounce such a foolish and hopeless confidence and put all their trust in Christ alone. Lord, his work was enough. It was sufficient to purchase us, to redeem us, to set us free, to justify us in your sight. And so, Lord, we put all our hope in him. And, Lord, I pray that our hearts would rejoice in this salvation you have accomplished for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and